Hey, Pie Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'm not sure whether you'd be aware, but we had a massive scandal over here with Facebook and uh, a company called Cambridge Analytica who were taking the data on Facebook and using it to target advertisements around politics and Brexit and all sorts of different things like that. And effectively, it, it became really, really difficult because they were able to prove that that had been done illegally. And Cambridge Analytica went bankrupt as a result of the, you know, as a result of the, the, the situation over here. And that, my friends, is what sponsored this discussion today with guest Joe Brianti. Joe is joining us here from the UK because every business owner and online entrepreneur who is doing business or sales with people in Europe there has been many updated changes to how the online space is managed. It is called GDPR. That is a term that you need to know if you are an online, like I said, if you're an online entrepreneur selling to people in Europe. It stands for General Data Protection Regulation. They have passed a lot of laws that can become a nuisance for you if you're not prepared uh, and could potentially cost you, actually. So, I want you to tune into this episode with Joe. She is an expert in how to protect yourself and set your business up to be compliant with GDPR. By the way, before I dive in too deep, those of you who are just getting started in your passive income journey, or you've been at it a while, but you want to add something that can increase your streams of revenue, I have a free resource for you called Five Ways to Make $5,000 a Month with Passive Income. You can get your free copy by texting the word PIE to 33777, or you can download your copy from thepassiveincomeexaminer.com. I know many people who are just getting started, it's, it's overwhelming. It's hard to know which way to start, what might be the right path for you, and the last thing you want to do is invest your time and resources into an avenue that may not be the right fit for you. That's why I created this PDF so that you can explore these options. I've got in there not only general descriptions of these things, uh, the, the pros and the cons of the five different ways, as well as links to episodes with guests who specifically talk on that subject so that you can get more information and more in-depth on the subject before you dive in. So once again, text the word PIE, P-I-E, to 33777 and download your copy today. So it's all about personal data. So in the United States, you don't have a national federal piece of legislation that protects your privacy and your data privacy. Individual states like California, um, Virginia are, are sort of creating privacy legislation. Um, and the way that Europe and the UK look at personal data versus America is very fundamentally different. So in the EU and the UK, my personal data is for me to consent to let somebody use it. 
in America, the government believed that they should have access to anybody's personal data at any point because um, that is their kind of federal regulation. So there's a fundamental um, difference in, in just general approaches. But the rules and regulations around managing the personal data over here give businesses, coaches and all of these things a bigger or, or more onus on them to do due diligence around tools and systems and operational processes to make sure that everything they do protects their clients and contacts personal data. So it oh. is quite a fundamental difference. So it's potentially only going to be relevant to your market and your audience if any of them are likely to work with people over here. Well, and what's interesting is, I mean, let's say we're building an online business. Yeah. I know I my podcast gets listened to in the UK. Yeah. Um, plenty. I've ranked in the UK. Yeah. So how would I know? Like, let's say somebody signed up for one of my freebies and downloaded it. So if somebody in the UK um, signs up to your email marketing list, they get the download. The rules over here state that you should give them the freebie, but you should not force them then to receive the main, uh, the newsletter. Now, that is quite a contentious thing to say, and a lot of people over here ignore it. Um, but the, it's about I grant consent to allow you to market to me. And so if you think about the user journey in your business, the freebie and the lead magnet and the free webinar, they come over here where people are just learning about you and they might be taking that freebie to find out a bit more about you, what you do, what skills you have. And at that point there, you're building awareness. And roughly what the rules are saying is that um, they should not be mandated at that point to be you know, given marketing literature if they're not interested. Yeah. Right. But and so that so when the download, so you know, on let's say on your sales page or your freebie, they go in and they give the email for you to deliver the download. But if they haven't put a tick in a checkbox to say they want email marketing following on from you delivering that, then you should not be. And those are the rules over here. And over in America, there are no rules like that, although oh. there are in California. Mm -hmm. So in California, you have a very similar type of law that is coming in. So if any of your clients or your customers or your contacts are in California, then you would have to comply with that in California because that's roughly how their piece of legislation operates over there, too. OK, so I can't create an opt-in. I mean, I can't create a sign-up form without an opt-in. Like it won't let me. Right. So is there any reason why a business owner or online business owner should be more concerned? I mean, it sounds to me like some of these companies that we're using, like all, you know, for data management mm. are kind of protecting us because they're in essence protecting themselves. 
um, you know, to make sure that there's these opt-ins. For example, in my background in the car business, when texting came out, you know, there was tons of fines. It was $10,000 per fine or per text message. If you text somebody elicited. Wow. That's big. And so with our CRM, it Mm -hmm. had a, a text function. And it, the only way it would work, it was integrated to where you could click to text them and it would first send an opt-in text. Then if they responded or opted in, you got a notification and then you could message. You couldn't just find message people. Yeah. And, and if you've got something like that set up on your email marketing, or you've got a double opt-in or something like that, then yes, absolutely. Um, but the fines are quite significant. Facebook and Google have both had quite substantial fines. Facebook is forever over here getting into trouble because they push the boundaries of the rules. But the maximum fine you can get under GDPR is 20 million euros. So that's that, that would be targeted at an organization like Google or or um, Facebook. It's not unless you're in that earning bracket. It's not necessarily, you know, but over here, um, the information commissioner's office, uh, they are the pers- people who control this piece of legislation in the UK. They have a list on their website of all the people that they have sanctioned and fined in some way. Um, under GDPR. And there are some really very small companies that have had 40 or 50,000 pound fines. And that's quite a significant amount of money. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what that is in dollars, but it's over here, 40 or 50,000 pounds for a small company. It's quite a significant piece of, you know, money. Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay. So I had started, we started just talking and so I clicked record and we didn't really get a good beginning script because I realized that we were diving into such good stuff and I just was like I'm just going to record so can you go back and tell us what the GDPR and the P is it P-E-R-C yes okay um explain what those two things are and how it is relative to like online business owners okay yep so GDPR is the General Data Protection Regulation. It is a European-based piece of legislation, and it protects individual privacy. So effectively, from an online business perspective, or any business, on or offline, under GDPR, you need to... um, protect the personal data of the clients and the contacts that you talk to, that you um, do email marketing for, that you um, target with ads, that you keep in your CRM system. And GDPR sets out a number of rights for individuals. And They have included things like they have a right to contact you and say, I want to know what data you're holding on me. They can contact you and say, I don't like the data you're holding about me. 
I want you to correct it. Or they can say, I want you to delete every single piece of data that you have on me. Now, in order to do that, you need to understand what data you are holding on that um, person. Um, so you have to start off with things like um, what happens to the data when I put it in my system? Where do I keep it? How do I use it? How long am I keeping it for? Because another element of GDPR is that you should only be keeping the minimum amount of data that you need and that you should only keep it for a relevant period of time. So as an example, if you're an online business, you create a Google form or a Ninja form or um, a, a contact form of any description on your website. Make sure that the questions you're asking there are pertinent to your business. The example I always give to people is this. If you are an online marketing consultant and you are selling marketing services, you have no need on your um, onboarding form to ask somebody about their health or possibly their gender, because that might not be relevant to your business. If you are a health and wellness consultant operating online, then those are absolutely valid questions because without that information, you can't deliver results for your client. Okay, so there's data minimization. The key thing that is common to both the general data protection regulation and the privacy and electronic communication regulation is consent. As an online business, you need to think about, do I have consent to process this data on behalf of that individual? Um, and that must be um, without prejudice. It must be clearly given. Um, the person must give you consent in a way that is not mandated. So if you're offering them a freebie, Give them the freebie, but don't ask them or insist that they go on your mailing list in order to receive that freebie. If you do, that's not compliant with the strict letter of GDPR. This episode is brought to you by Kajabi, the platform with a full suite of world-class online business tools working seamlessly together. I've been using Kajabi now for nearly a year, and I'm absolutely in love with this program. Prior to Kajabi, I was experimenting with other platforms, and so many of them were not user-friendly. They were difficult to get online pages to sync up with the cart, or getting opt-ins and emails to be easily set up. I was beginning to dread the time it was going to take to set up a simple landing page. Honestly, I can say that since working with Kajabi, I have been extremely happy. I can't imagine leaving for any reason at this point, mainly because it saves me so much time and it doesn't give me a headache. Listen, I consider myself pretty tech savvy for the most part, but that doesn't mean that I want to be a tech genius every time I want to put together an offer. Kajabi makes it so simple to create online products and it gives me the tools I need so my marketing is synchronized. I really can't say enough great things about Kajabi. If you click the link in the description, you will get a free 30-day trial with Kajabi on behalf of the Passive Income Examiner. So be sure to check out the description. Now back to the show. 
Now that one right there could be a problem for people because I can see how even though when they go on to say my landing page yep. and they put in their email, there is a button that does say by, cl by clicking this, you agree basically that um, to receive email marketing from the passive yep. income examiner. And it says, yep. I promise not to sell your information yep. um, or use it unwisely and that they can unsubscribe yep. at any time. So yeah, that's kind of the basics of it. But um, you know, so, that is in a way making them, you know, sign up for things when maybe it's not, it's not saying, oh, here's the freebie. And would you also like yep. to receive and, that? And that is the ideal way to do it. Now, if I flip this on its head, and this is how I have this conversation, um, is as somebody who relies on an online audience and a, an online list and email marketing, your fees for your email marketing provider, whether that is SendinBlue, MailChimp, Active Campaign, or um, ConvertKit Constant Contact, a lot of your charges will be based on numbers, right? And the numbers on your list it's better to have a list of highly engaged people that is very small from a cost perspective, from a sending reputation perspective, and from the sort of the verification process that email marketing tools go through. As an example, if you have a list of um, 1,000, 2,000 contacts, but only 500 contacts regularly open your emails click on the link to buy, purchase, or to engage and interact with you, you are paying out, you know, your sort of subscription to the email marketing tool for a lot of people who maybe never are going to buy from you. And maybe that one of the reasons that that is because they've signed up for a freebie, um, but they've decided after they've taken the freebie, they don't want to build that relationship with you or they have done that via a Facebook group or they've done that through purchasing something else directly from you as a result of the freebie but they're not engaging with you regularly so firstly you want to get rid of those off your list so if you take the consent at the point that they sign up for the freebie you eliminate part of that problem because they're not forced to be on your list when they don't really want to be. The second thing is that under the General Data Protection Regulation, you are required to actively manage your data. So in the context of an email marketing scenario, you should run regular re-engagement campaigns and what I do with clients when we do that is we look at somebody who has not um, opened an email, let's say, in three months. So we put a campaign together and say, hey, I noticed you haven't been reading my emails for the last three months. Um, are you bored with my content? Are we? Is there something that I'm not delivering? Those kinds of questions um, and invite them to resubscribe, send them a link. If you're selling an online product or service, maybe you put some sort of enhancement or discount off 
your latest product or service or something that might encourage them to re-engage. If they don't re-engage from that, then they get a second email. And, you know, again, you're sort of saying to them, I don't want you to be having a full mailbox if you're not interested. I'm really not upset if you don't want to please unsubscribe or, you know, click on this link to let me know what you want to And then if at the point where you've done that a couple of times, given them the option, offered them incentives, and they still don't engage with your email, I tell people to unsubscribe. And then that does two things. It complies with GDPR because you are cleansing your list. And it also might reduce your costs because you're no longer paying for somebody to be on your list who's not engaging, who's never going to buy from you. And they've shown that because you have offered them a discount or you've offered them an incentive and they still haven't come back to you. Yeah, I think that's clever. I think that's clever even if you aren't having to be held to the same standards as the GDPR, yes. because it sounds to me like, um, you know, I, I, and I'm also thinking about this from a user perspective. I've noticed yeah. that Google will pop up emails that says, you haven't opened anything from this person in a while. Do you want to yes. unsubscribe? And I'm like, yes. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad. Yeah. You know that I've been afraid to unsubscribe from places because, and I don't know if this is still the case or if this was just how things used to be back when email started. But it used to be that when you unsubscribed, it was almost like somehow you got subscribed to a whole bunch of spam. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how it worked, but it just seems like every email, I, for everyone I unsubscribed, I would get 10 more. <laughs> so, yeah. And what, I, what, one of the other things that happens is that the tidier your list, and what I mean by that is the more engaged your list, the more people open, the more people click through the links, the better your performance is, right? And what happens is the big email providers like Google and Microsoft, they start recognizing that you are um, a valuable email because they can track who opens those emails. So they can, they don't necessarily see the individuals, but they see that your domain is sending a thousand emails and only 400 are open or 200 or whatever that looks like. And therefore, they think that, oh, if you're sending out that many and not many are being read, that's a spam email. And that's why your email ends up in the spam folder or the promotions folder or the whatever other folder instead of that main inbox where it is right in somebody's face. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that cleanse process, again, you are helping yourself by um, building the reputation, that's email sending reputation for your domain. Interesting. It's amazing. I, first of all, I have to say I'm thrilled that Europe and, and UK are getting going into this place where the um, human <laughs> has a right <laughs> to their privacy. I mean, that is just like, thank goodness, because it's time. I'm so, yeah. you know, we, we were talking about um, marketing in general, and it's not even just mark email marketing. It's what am I trying to say? IP address, retargeting, yeah. 
uh, right. all of this stuff that the amount of information, you know, and yeah. when I worked in the car business, I'll give you one example. We had a company who we, our company was right on the freeway. Uh, we had a company that could geo target the freeway yeah. for the mile that goes by our place yeah. and get VIN numbers. Okay. I'm telling yeah. you specific data to the car, yeah. the name, the address, the VIN number specific, the make model yeah. of the vehicle. And it could bring us lists of people who had never been to our store. Yep. That would be see because they drove by us. Yep. Well, that's not, that is not allowed under the GDPR, which is the General Data Protection Regulation. But it also, the other one you mentioned was PECA, which is the Privacy and Electronic Communications Regulations. Now, PECA. If you can imagine, it overlaps a little bit with GDPR. So there's there are elements in both of them that are the same. But the PECA regulation covers things like cookies. It covers things like you're talking about tracking IP addresses. So one of the things that PECA says is that every website must have cookie banner, right? Uh, must provide visitors to your website clear instruction on do I use cookies? What type of cookies am I using? How are those cookies going to impact you, the visitor to my website? And I must give you the option to um, consent or decline those cookies. So there are a number of different types of cookies. Okay. So on a website you'll have the functional essential cookies that make your website run properly. So for example, if you embed a piece of video content, it's not advertising, it's just informational content, or you upload images and text, you will have cookies that make those render correctly. Okay. The next type of cookie that you could have on your website will be analytics and statistics. And these are things like Google Analytics. They track the visitors, they track IP addresses, and they can track and help to create an audience for advertising. Okay. Then you have got preference cookies. And these sometimes are described as session cookies, and they can target and personalize somebody's experience of that website. Very often, these types of cookies might be used on something over there. You might have a CNN website. You might have the New York Times. These organizations that have a lot of advertising. So if you go to the website, their cookie will help to target the adverts in the side banner of the website. Okay. And then the final type of cookie, which if somebody was going to put these on the website, they're never going to declare it, are often referred to as zombie um, cookies. They are most commonly malicious. They put Trojans, viruses, those kinds of things. They're exceptionally difficult to clean. Um, if somebody's going to put that in a, in their website or in a download, then um, they're not actually going to put that into um, a cookie banner. But over here, 
all the websites. If you go onto a website for a UK or European website, you will see they have a variety of sort of different types of cookie banner. For a small business, if you are using WordPress and you want to put one of these cookie banners, I use CookieBot. It's a, a WordPress plugin, super easy to configure, scans your website and tells you what cookies are there. And with WordPress, you'll find that you think, well, I didn't put any cookies on my website, but you've put a plugin on. That plugin has automatically created a cookie to enable it to function properly. Um, if you put Google Analytics or a Facebook pixel, you are tracking. So that's what will be demonstrated in your cookie banner. That's so fascinating. Okay, I have to be honest, this is the most interesting conversation about data I've ever had. <laughs> I, and I'm not, I'm not even like one of those, I, I'm, a, I'm a very like, let's just, just tell me what I need to do. And I don't really need to know how it works, but I'm fascinated. And mostly because, you know, part of the reason I moved to North Idaho is to get, get out of the city and this like feeling of everybody's just yeah. everything's so coagulated, you know? Yeah. And it's nice. And I'm like, if I could just get off social, like if I could, I would, but you yeah. know, cause I run an online business that makes it a little challenging. Mm-hmm. And, and so to hear that the world, I mean, to me, this is just like the future of the world. I'm so yeah. excited to hear that there's hope for, 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 personal freedom like this Mm. this is just what I'm really digging about this but you know and if you are speaking with European or British customers and contacts you really need to be including that on your website I mean if your audience is 100% US based a lot of what I'm saying is interesting information but maybe it's not going to impact your business as such but we have to remember the internet is wide open and I can search on Google for um, passive income and your website could come to the top of the screen right there and then, you know, and I could choose to engage with you. You might not be necessarily targeting me. So it's that kind of scenario where you think about it. Now, it is possible the technology is there If you really don't want to engage with these pieces of regulations, speak to your web designer, speak to your developer or or get advice um, from, you know, an experienced person as to how you can actually restrict access to your website. So if I come to your website and um, you don't want to engage with the UK audience because you don't want all of this headache of of this legislation, that it just gives me a page to say, I'm sorry, we we can't engage with you because of whatever reason you want to give. I can't remember which American website it is, but there is an American media or newspaper company. Somebody sent me a link to a really interesting article and they, they gave me this breakdown. I clicked on the link And a page came up and said, um, we notice that you are in the European Union and therefore um, we are not sort of permitting you to continue on to our site. So it is possible. um, 
but that's a very big company. If you're a very small company and you want to broaden your engagement and your customer base, then you might not want to do that, in which case you need to have a little think about um, how are you looking after the data of the European customers that may be coming to your website. Yeah. And so that isn't just UK, then it's also all Europe. All or anywhere within the European Union. There's 26 countries. Well, I think this has been just such a really valuable conversation, not even just all the data and details and understanding what's happening in the world, which is interesting and fascinating, but also just really good strategies for online businesses to, you know, stay relevant to your client. I think yeah. that's an, I don't think people put enough emphasis on that. I think I hear too much of, <clears throat> Oh, you just need to fire off emails. The more emails you do, the better, the more people will engage with you. And yeah. and I've never really understood that. No. I'm thinking it must work because it gets done to me all the time, but it drives me nuts. I get sometimes one or two emails a day from some people. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. really? How much can you say in a life? <laughs> like yeah. it's it's it there is there is a view and there are people out there that will say something absolutely completely different to me and they will tell you the bigger the list the more sales you get right so grow your list grow your list grow your list but there's no point growing your list to thousands and thousands of people if the same 500 people are still the only 500 people who regularly open your email who click through and who purchase so the smaller, more engaged list, the better, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying you keep it potentially small. If your list grows to 10,000 people and you've got 8,000, 9,000 people, you know, or even 9,500 people opening your email on a very regular basis and you can justify that there is a return on investment on having a list that big, fantastic. But if you're if the return on investment, so if you're paying out four hundred dollars a month for an email marketing list of ten thousand and you're not making enough sales to cover the cost of your email marketing, you're not making money. And that's that's even without thinking about the GDPR element about, you know, keeping your list nice and tidy. Right. So how do you help businesses? Like what what is your. um business how do you help help them so i'm a gdpr systems and process consultant and what i do for clients is i can advise on gdpr and i can advise on policies i can advise on the processes the procedures um i i can do things like review your website and say we need to do this to make it compliant or we need to do that Another stream of my business is I help businesses find the right technical solution. So as an example, I'm currently working with a childcare provider in the UK. Um, They want a piece of technology to help them manage their business and accept bookings and all of these things. And they've looked at some of the tools like Calendly and Acuity Schedule. Great tools, but they're not quite right for their specific needs in their business. So I am going out and I'm doing all the research. 
I'm looking at what do they need and what is the best piece of software. I'm checking whether it's GDPR compliant. And then once I've done that piece, I will then help them to configure it and make their business run smoothly and in a streamlined way. So I will look at the way they do their business, their operations. And I look at writing the onboarding process. And that onboarding process might be instead of signing a piece of paper form, we create a Google form because that links here. So it goes all online, streamlined, and they get emails fired off saying, thank you for your application or thank you for this, all communicating and building those relationships. So the way I describe my business is if you think of a graph, a Venn diagram, there are three circles that overlap each other. One is compliance, which is GDPR and PECA. One is tech, which is things like Active Campaign, WordPress, um, and all those other sorts of things. And the other one is process. Overlap those three, and you get this little triangle in the middle. And that's where your business sits. And those are the three areas that I can help your business. Sounds wonderful. Well, that's great. So, what's the best way for people to find you? So um, my website is currently under construction, but you can find it at jlbbusinessconsulting.co.uk or you can email on admin at jlbbusinessconsulting.co.uk. Or if if you're interested, um, I co-host a podcast for virtual assistants and virtual and remote workers. And that's called Virtually Amazing, the podcast. And I co-host that with my colleague and friend, Shelley. Um, We've been going just over 12 months now. And we speak to a lot of virtual assistants and all sorts of people that will support that type of industry. So we've spoken to people um, who build websites, who do branding, who do copywriting and all of those kinds of things. And a lot of VAs and they talk about their journey. So it's really interesting. That would be interesting. Well, thank you so much for being on today. I appreciate it. This has been this has been really interesting. If you like mommy, so leave a review. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. I am truly grateful for you. And if this podcast has inspired you in any way, head over to iTunes and leave a written review. I would appreciate it so much. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for helping to spread the word by sharing this show with your friends.